Chapter Twenty of Peveril of the Peak by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, what is this that haunts me like my shadow, frisking and mumming like an elf in moonlight? Ben Jonson peveril found the master of the vessel rather less rude than those in his station of life usually are and received from him full satisfaction concerning the fate of fenella upon whom the captain bestowed a hearty curse for obliging him to lay to until he had sent his boat ashore and had her back again i hope said peveril no violence was necessary to reconcile her to go ashore i trust she offered no foolish resistance resist mine god said the captain she did resist like a troop of horse she did cry you might hear her at whitehaven she did go up the rigging like a cat up a chimney but that was a trick of her old trade what trade do you mean said peveril oh said the seaman i vas know more about her than you mynheer i vas know that she vas a little very little girl and prentice to one siltanzer when my lady yonder had the good luck to buy her a siltanzer said peveril what do you mean by that i mean a rope dancer a montebank a hans pickle herring i vas know adrian brackle vell he sell the powders dat empty men's stomach and fill him's own purse not know adrian brackle mine god i have smoked many a pound of tobacco with him peveril now remembered that fenella had been brought into the family when he and the young earl were in england and while the countess was absent on an expedition to the continent where the countess found her she never communicated to the young men but only intimated that she had received her out of compassion in order to relieve her from a situation of extreme distress he hinted so much to the communicative seaman who replied that for distress he knew noxed on it only that adrian brackle beat her when she would not dance on the rope and starved her when she did to prevent her growth the bargain between the countess and the montebank he said he had made himself because the countess had hired his brig upon her expedition to the continent none else knew where she came from the countess had seen her on a public stage at ostend compassionated her helpless situation and the severe treatment she received and had employed him to purchase the poor creature from her master and charged him with silence towards all her retinue and so i do keep silence continued the faithful confidant then i am in the havens of man but when i am on the broad seas den my tongue is mine own you know de foolish peoples in the island they say she is a weshelbalg what you call a fairy elf changeling my faith they do not never have seen ein weshelbalg 
for i saw one myself at cologne and it was twice as big as yonder girl and did break the poor people with eating them up like de great big cuckoo in the sparrow's nest but this vanilla eat no more than other girls it was no weschel bulg in the world by a different train of reasoning julian had arrived at the same conclusion in which therefore he heartily acquiesced during the seaman's prosing he was reflecting within himself how much of the singular flexibility of her limbs and movements the unfortunate girl must have derived from the discipline and instructions of adrian brackle and also how far the germs of her wilful and capricious passions might have been sown during her wandering and adventurous childhood aristocratic also as his education had been these anecdotes respecting fenella's original situation and education rather increased his pleasure of having shaken off her company and yet he still felt desirous to know any farther particulars which the seamen could communicate on the same subject but he had already told all he knew of her parents he knew nothing except that her father must have been a damned huntsfoot and a shelm for selling his own flesh and blood to adrian brackle for by such a transaction had the montebank become possessed of his pupil this conversation tended to remove any passing doubts which might have crept on peveril's mind concerning the fidelity of the master of the vessel who appeared from thence to have been a former acquaintance of the countess and to have enjoyed some share of her confidence the threatening motion used by fenella he no longer considered as worthy of any notice excepting as a new mark of the irritability of her temper he amused himself with walking the deck and musing on his past and future prospects until his attention was forcibly arrested by the wind which began to rise in gusts from the northwest in a manner so unfavorable to the course they intended to hold that the master after many efforts to beat against it declared his bark which was by no means an excellent sea-boat was unequal to making whitehaven and that he was compelled to make a fair wind of it and run for liverpool to this course peveril did not object it saved him some land journey in case he visited his father's castle and the countess's commission would be discharged as effectually the one way as the other the vessel was put accordingly before the wind and ran with great steadiness and velocity the captain notwithstanding pleading some nautical hazards chose to lie off and did not attempt the mouth of the mercy until morning when peveril had at length the satisfaction of being landed upon the quay of liverpool which even then showed symptoms of the commercial prosperity that has since been carried to such a height the master who was well acquainted with the port pointed out to julian a decent place of entertainment chiefly frequented by seafaring people 
for although he had been in the town formerly he did not think it proper to go anywhere at present where he might have been unnecessarily recognized here he took leave of the seaman after pressing upon him with difficulty a small present for the crew as for his passage the captain declined any recompense whatever and they parted upon the most civil terms the inn to which he was recommended was full of strangers seamen and mercantile people all intent upon their own affairs and discussing them with noise and eagerness peculiar to the business of a thriving seaport but although the general clamour of the public room in which the guests mixed with each other related chiefly to their own commercial dealings there was a general theme mingling with them which was alike common and interesting to all so that amidst disputes about freight tonnage demurrage and such like were heard the emphatic sounds of deep damnable accursed plot bloody papist villains the king in danger the gallows too good for them and so forth the fermentation excited in london had plainly reached even this remote seaport and was received by the inhabitants with the peculiar stormy energy which invests men in their situation with the character of the winds and waves with which they are chiefly conversant the commercial and nautical interests of england were indeed particularly anti-catholic although it is not perhaps easy to give any distinct reason why they should be so since theological disputes in general could scarce be considered as interesting to them but zeal amongst the lower orders at least is often in an inverse ratio to knowledge and sailors were not probably the less earnest and devoted protestants that they did not understand the controversy between the churches as for the merchants they were almost necessarily inimical to the gentry of lancashire and cheshire many of whom still retained the faith of rome which was rendered ten times more odious to the men of commerce as the badge of their haughty aristocratic neighbours from the little which peveril heard of the sentiments of the people of liverpool he imagined he should act most prudently in leaving the place as soon as possible and before any suspicion should arise of his having any connection with the party which appeared to have become so obnoxious in order to accomplish his journey it was first necessary that he should purchase a horse and for this purpose he resolved to have recourse to the stables of a dealer well known at the time and who dwelt in the outskirts of the place and having obtained directions to his dwelling he went thither to provide himself job bridlesley dables exhibited a large choice of good horses for that trade was in former days more active than at present it was an ordinary thing for a stranger to buy a horse for the purpose of a single journey and to sell him as well as he could when he had reached the point of his destination and hence there was a constant demand and a corresponding supply 
upon both of which bridlesley and those of his trade contrived doubtless to make handsome profits julian who was no despicable horse-jockey selected for his purpose a strong well-made horse about sixteen hands high and had him led into the yard to see whether the paces corresponded with his appearance as these also gave perfect satisfaction to the customer it remained only to settle the price with bridlesley who of course swore his customer had pitched upon the best horse ever darkened the stable door since he had dealt that way that no such horses were to be had nowadays for that the mares were dead that fold them and having named a corresponding price the usual haggling commenced betwixt the seller and purchaser for adjustment of what the french dealers call la prejuste the reader if he be at all acquainted with this sort of traffic well knows it is generally a keen encounter of wits and attracts the notice of all the idlers within hearing who are usually very ready to offer their opinions or their evidence amongst these upon the present occasion was a thin man rather less than the ordinary size and meanly dressed but whose interference was in a confident tone and such as showed himself master of the subject on which he spoke the price of the horse being settled to about fifteen pounds which was very high for the period that of the saddle and bridle had next to be adjusted and the thin mean-looking person before mentioned found nearly as much to say on this subject as on the other as his remarks had a conciliating and obliging tendency towards the stranger peveril concluded he was one of those idle persons who unable or unwilling to supply themselves with the means of indulgence at their own cost do not scruple to deserve them at the hands of others by a little officious complaisance and considering that he might acquire some useful information from such a person was just about to offer him the courtesy of a morning draught when he observed he had suddenly left the yard he had scarce remarked this circumstance before a party of customers entered the place whose haughty assumption of importance claimed the instant attention of bridlesley and all his militia of grooms and stable-boys three good horses said the leader of the party a tall bulky man whose breath was drawn full and high under a consciousness of fat and of importance three good and able-bodied horses for the service of the commons of england bridlesley said he had some horses which might serve the speaker himself at need but that to speak christian truth he had just sold the best in his stable to that gentleman present who doubtless would give up the bargain if the horse was needed for the service of the state you speak well friend said the important personage and advancing to julian demanded in a very haughty tone the surrender of the purchase which he had just made peveril with some difficulty subdued the strong desire which he felt 
to return a round refusal to so unreasonable a request but fortunately recollecting that the situation in which he at present stood required on his part much circumspection he replied simply that upon showing him any warrant to seize upon horses for the public service he must of course submit to resign his purchase the man with an air of extreme dignity pulled from his pocket and thrust into peveril's hand a warrant subscribed by the speaker of the house of commons empowering charles topham their officer of the black rod to pursue and seize upon the persons of certain individuals named in the warrant and of all other persons who are or should be accused by competent witnesses of being accessory to or favourers of the hellish and damnable popish plot at present carried on within the bowels of the kingdom and charging all men as they loved their allegiance to render the said charles topham their readiest and most effective assistance in execution of the duty entrusted to his care on perusing a document of such weighty import julian had no hesitation to give up his horse to this formidable functionary whom somebody compared to a lion which as the house of commons was pleased to maintain such an animal they were under the necessity of providing for by frequent commitments until take him topham became a proverb and a formidable one in the mouth of the public the acquiescence of peveril procured him some grace in the sight of the emissary who before selecting two horses for his attendance gave permission to the stranger to purchase a grey horse much inferior indeed to that which he had resigned both in form and in action but very little lower in price as mr bridlesley immediately on learning the demand for horses upon the part of the commons of england had passed a private resolution in his own mind augmenting the price of his whole stud by an imposition of at least twenty per cent ad valorem peveril adjusted and paid the price with much less argument than on the former occasion for to be plain with the reader he had noticed in the warrant of mr topham the name of his father sir geoffrey peveril of martindale castle engrossed at full length as one of those subjected to arrest by that officer when aware of this material fact it became julian's business to leave liverpool directly and carry the alarm to derbyshire if indeed mr topham had not already executed his charge in that county which he thought unlikely as it was probable they would commence by securing those who lived nearest to the seaports a word or two which he overheard strengthened his hopes and hark ye friend said mr topham you will have the horses at the door of mr shortell the mercer in two hours as we shall refresh ourselves there with a cool tankard and learn what folks live in the neighbourhood that may be concerned in my way and you will please to have that saddle padded for i am told the derbyshire roads are rough and you captain dangerfield and master everett 
you must put on your protestant spectacles and show me where there is the shadow of a priest or of a priest's favourer for i am come down with a broom in my cap to sweep this north country of such like cattle one of the persons he thus addressed who wore the garb of a broken-down citizen only answered i truly master topham it is time to purge the garner the other who had a formidable pair of whiskers a red nose and a tarnished laced coat together with a hat of pistols dimensions was more loquacious i take it on my damnation said this zealous protestant witness that i will discover the marks of the beast on every one of them betwixt sixteen and seventy as plainly as if they had crossed themselves with ink instead of holy water since we have a king willing to do justice and a house of commons to uphold prosecutions why damn me the cause must not stand still for lack of evidence stick to that noble captain answered the officer but prithee reserve thy oaths for the court of justice it is but sheer waste to throw them away as you do in your ordinary conversation fear you nothing master topham answered dangerfield it is right to keep a man's gifts in use and were i altogether to renounce oaths in my private discourse how should i know how to use one when i needed it but you hear me use none of your papist abjurations i swear not by the mass or before george or by anything that belongs to idolatry but such downright oaths as may serve a poor protestant gentleman who would fain serve heaven and the king bravely spoken most noble festus said his yoke-fellow but do not suppose that although i am not in the habit of garnishing my words with oaths out of season i shall be wanting when called upon to declare the height and the depth the width and the length of this hellish plot against the king and the protestant faith dizzy and almost sick with listening to the undisguised brutality of these fellows peveril having with difficulty prevailed on bridlesley to settle his purchase at length led forth his grey steed but was scarce out of the yard when he heard the following alarming conversation pass of which he seemed himself the object who is that youth said the slow soft voice of the more precise of the two witnesses methinks i have seen him somewhere before is he from these parts not that i know of said bridlesley who like all the other inhabitants of england at the time answered the interrogatories of these fellows with the deference which is paid in spain to the questions of an inquisitor a stranger entirely a stranger never saw him before a wild young colt i warrant him and knows a horse's mouth as well as i do i begin to bethink me i saw such a face as his at the jesuits consult in the white horse tavern answered everett and i think i recollect said captain dangerfield come come master and captain 
said the authoritative voice of topham we will have none of your recollections at present we all know what these are likely to end in but i will have you know you are not to run till the leash is slipped the young man is a well-looking lad and gave up his horse handsomely for the service of the house of commons he knows how to behave himself to his betters i warrant you and i scarce think he has enough in his purse to pay the fees this speech concluded the dialogue which peveril finding himself so much concerned in the issue thought it best to hear to an end now when it ceased to get out of the town unobserved and take the nearest way to his father's castle seemed his wisest plan he had settled his reckoning at the inn and brought with him to bridlesley's the small portmanteau which contained his few necessaries so that he had no occasion to return thither he resolved therefore to ride some miles before he stopped even for the purpose of feeding his horse and being pretty well acquainted with the country he hoped to be able to push forward to martindale castle sooner than the worshipful master topham whose saddle was in the first place to be padded and who when mounted would in all probability ride with the precaution of those who require such security against the effects of a hard trot under the influence of these feelings julian pushed for warrington a place with which he was well acquainted but without halting in the town he crossed the mercy by the bridge built by an ancestor of his friend the earl of derby and continued his route towards dishley on the borders of derbyshire he might have reached this latter village easily had his horse been fitter for a forced march but in the course of the journey he had occasion more than once to curse the official dignity of the person who had robbed him of his better steed while taking the best direction he could through a country with which he was only generally acquainted at length near altrincham a halt became unavoidable and peveril had only to look for some quiet and sequestered place of refreshment this presented itself in the form of a small cluster of cottages the best of which united the characters of an alehouse and a mill where the sign of the cat the landlord's faithful ally in defence of his mill-sacks booted as high as grimalkin in the fairy-tale and playing on the fiddle for the more grace announced that john whitecraft united the two honest occupations of landlord and miller and doubtless took toll from the public in both capacities such a place promised a traveller who journeyed incognito safer if not better accommodation than he was like to meet with in more frequented inns and at the door of the cat and fiddle julian halted accordingly End of chapter twenty